welcome to the High Energetic Podcast. With Dan and Seth. What language was that? Um, that was English. I think we did a little better with the, the Google Translate than usual this week. Yeah, right? That was like it almost, perfect almost sounded like it was English, right? Yeah, but it was like a native speaker. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty good, right? Oh, Ooh, I should have done I'm, I'm impressed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How are you guys doing? We got um, Robot Liam. Hi, yeah. Hi. Robot Matt. And then we have just just uh crazy george over there with his crappy internet crazy uncle george is is yelling at clouds (laughs) waving his fist at the kids sneaking on his lawn yeah Uh, how's that internet george how's that going so i think i need to fill everyone in on how bad my world is um (laughs) a very long time ago on twitter i posted a message (laughs) when i got a comcast bill earlier last month that had my name spelled as george weedmon (laughs) (laughs) and for some reason ever since then my internet has been crap and I noticed that we, we got some comments last week talking about how, like, quiet me and Matt are. And, I mean, for clarification, it's 9 a.m. in the morning here in the States where we're recording this. It's, like, uh, either 10 or 11 in Japan, depending on the daylight savings time when Liam is recording this. Yeah, so, so I explained in the comments that, like, it's pretty early for you guys when we record. And for me, I'm, like, I've been up for fucking 13 hours at this point. I am wide house everyone's like why is liam so energetic and the other guys are like sleeping well yeah i, I just don't like 13 shut up hours of, yeah. of waking time and, and we got like 30 minutes i've had like six cups of coffee by this point as well so wow. in addition to like guzzling down <laughs> i know uh, I yeah know. yeah as <laughs> i know Japan guzzling is, like, down all of helping. our like crappy bitter convenience store coffee instead hey, of the, the hey, heated out of a vending machine in front don't of your house you, japan coffee don't you mm, discount nice coffee especially iced coffee in japan ice canned coffee is like the the glorious nectar the as, uh, it's god's nectar has cold brew caught on over there yeah actually it has there are starbucks nice. in japan are all offering nitro cold brew um now. starbucks I don't remember yeah. seeing a Starbucks over there. I guess I'm. So, I was in Tokyo, but are, are, you, so, are, so, are you shitting me? Are you? Are, are you I didn't see it. Did you see it, George? I didn't see it. Oh yeah, I've, I went to the Starbucks to get a good viewing angle of the Shibuya Scramble last like, time. I would, I would be surprised at the numbers if they didn't say like Starbucks is. There's as many Starbucks as fucking Combinis over here. It's cra- it's getting crazy at this point. A new one just opened up in my city, and we already have six of them. I'm not in all my kidding. travels, God. I've seen a lot more 7-Elevens and Starbuckses yeah. <laughs> elsewhere in the world <laughs> than I have in in many parts of many American cities. Like yeah. 7-Eleven especially. 7-Eleven has like grew out of its American branding into a more it, international Yeah, thing. it's weird because I associate 7-Eleven easily. Obviously, I'm from the UK, but I associate easily with Japan. Like, I, I don't even know what 7-Elevens are like in America. You barely see them in the state. Well, that's barely. You sometimes see them on the side of the highway in the States. <laughs> Meanwhile, exactly in other this... countries, they're like the convenience store everywhere. They're mm. like the... I mean, not the Kroger, but but in, in like international big cities where they won't have as big grocery stores, that'll that'll be like how how they fill the gap. 
I saw a I saw a poll going around on the sort of the Japanese foreigner Twitter thing of like ranking all the combinis, and so many people were wrong. So many wrong answers. I was reading a uh, article yesterday about how uh, offended one of uh, the diplomats of Japan were when they went on a visit to Israel and got served a dessert out of a a uh, shoe shaped dish. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoe-shaped Israel, I, Japan. I think I saw this, and then I was thinking, people really, for some reason, think Japanese people hate shoes. I mean, I take my shoes off when I go into the house as well. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know why people mm. think just because Japanese people have like an area in which you take off shoes, it's like for some They're, reason that showing them a shoe is like the biggest insult in the world. There were a lot of comments about the mysticism and the severity yeah. of. Uh, the, the cultural taboo that shoes project as an aura when it's really, they're just like, they track dirt all over everyone's carpet and no one wants to, no one wants to deal with that shit. No one wants to eat food out of a shoe. <laughs> to be fair, no one wants to eat food out of a shoe, whether you're Japanese or Israeli. It's like... Oh, also, well, I think the idea was that it was some kind of like traditional or cultural commentary on on the dish but i'm looking at it right now and i was expecting more of a shoe shaped dish it's actually a more shoes. of what looks like an actual shoe yeah yeah <laughs> oh what is this it's like someone took off their shoe and put food in it it literally I'm looks like someone... by how that's what it looks like i <laughs> thought it was gonna it be though? like a monopoly shoe like a piece of literally. pewter or plate if you're listening to this go to the show notes where george is inevitably gonna put a link it looks like yes someone Dookie. has been out on a night out they've got dressed up to go to someone's party or something and they've gone to a nightclub they've had a real good night and then they've just vomited all over their shoes They've lost control. Yeah, yeah, like they've the sparkles on the side. Yeah, yeah that, that's and they've definitely just, like, like vomit. They've taken their shoes off when they got home, and they've just like vomited over themselves, vomited all over the shoes. Oh my god, that's gross! <laughs> and, and then they put like two ice cream scoops and a couple of huge <laughs> almonds. <laughs> I feel bad for any Israeli almonds. listeners who this is like their this is their traditional dish. Uh, I don't mean to cause offense, but. It does look like <laughs> someone vomited in a shoe. So it was a formal dinner to uh, mark the visit of uh, Shinzo Abe, uh, a renowned Israeli culinary expert named Segev Mosh, who is the private chef to Netanyahu. I believe his title is Prime Minister. Yeah, Prime Minister of yeah, Israel. Yeah, that guy. That guy who keeps causing trouble. Uh, he created time. a dish uh, with, for the diplomatic dinners. They rolled out a special dessert. Okay, we got a selection of chocolates. That's what those are. They're a selection of chocolates. Wait, they had chocolates? Oh, what okay. The, what the hell? They're a selection of chocolates uh, served in dark metal shoes. So that's not leather. That's dark metal. Ah. So even though it does, they do look like real shoes. That actually is a metal dish meant to look like shoes. Uh. Designed by the upscale Tom Dixon Studio, a British products and interiors company. Um, Segev, who is also chef for Israeli airline EL Al uploaded an Instagram of himself with the Netanyahu's and their guests, along with the four shoe-shaped desserts. Uh, but his report, his report, his post received some negative responses. I cannot believe that you have put shoes on the table for the Prime Minister of Japan. Really transcends parody. Uh, <laughs> 
Congratulations, says another commenter, but never ever serve anything to the Japanese in a shoe. I think that you did not mean any offense, right? But a bit of homework on people's culture will not hurt. I don't know if, like... But... I... It, I... Okay, to a lot of Americans, it's a thing when you go to Japan and everyone wants to take their shoes off. But what I'm I'm steadily hearing throughout life is that that's becoming a thing generally about everywhere where people like to keep their interiors clean. In Japan, and it's, it's not just so a much just a Japanese thing. thing. It's, a, it's, a, it's a respectful thing to do. You usually have shoes for outside, which is your normal shoes, and then you have indoor shoes or you just wear socks. Like if you go to a school... You wear your outdoor shoes, and then inside you will see, you know, teachers slippers. wearing Sometimes trainers, they got slippers. which is specifically for inside. Like, it's yeah. like partially to keep it clean. It's not like shoes just, are taboo. It's the separation between, you know, being outside and being inside. Like They have separate shoes for inside, separate shoes for outside, but they're all the same shoe. It's, uh, you know? one, one could say that despite the separation and exclusion of these systems, they are providing equal services to the uh, participants of the systems. Yes, yes. They are true. That is true. Well, here on Dad and Sons, you can get all of your uh, worldly news and political yeah. Matt, how, how, how do you feel about this um, uh, different but the same system that uh, the, the shoes of the world are, are oftentimes discriminated by? Uh, wow, that's a loaded question there. I, I don't want to offend any people. Um, um, no, no. Uh, I, I, about the, like, serving it to the to the Japan guy. <laughs> to the Japan guy. There's a lot of, like, when I when I look back on, like, my Japan trip and how, like, I made the videos and stuff, like, I can see, like, like everything was new. Like, everything was just, like... Oh my God, this, oh my God, that. And then when you realize you're like, you know, they're, they're, they're different, but they're not like that different. Like, I feel like the shoe thing was like something that we did here. They just, it's just kind of like something that they do all the time. It's regular. Like what, yeah, it's what weird we have because here. I don't know, like a perfect yeah. example that there would is be. Stuff, there is stuff in but Japan. But that... like, we're at like, there's like some special special like unique beings that you know like like oh my god japan people you have to, it, you have to be respectful and blah 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 and i don't know like yeah, obviously you have to be it's because it's weird because in japan you're not you're not really um subjugated to the same sort of um a pass like people don't japanese people don't suddenly stop doing what they do just because foreigners the foreigners don't do it in their country they're it's weird. It's like, oh, we should be super respectful to the Japanese. You don't, you know, don't serve them food in a shoe. It's like, the Japanese don't give a shit if you, like, are sat and you have to eat, like, a whale's heart or something or a, a fucking turtle's brain or something. And it's like, if you yeah. refuse, then you're being disrespectful to them when they're not also necessarily giving a shit whether you eat that kind of stuff in your culture. There are lots of, like toing and froing between what is appropriate and what is disrespectful i think between both and societies doesn't this also just seem extra strange with the knowledge that japanese food customers love wacky presentation yeah i imagine there's a cafe somewhere in japan that's sort of shit in the shoe like there's a lot of grosser looking stuff you can buy at at like popular mainstream japanese restaurants like the brain cake at the capcom cafe and yeah. 
There is wacky There's... stuff everywhere in Japan. Like I said, there is probably almost with 100% certainty somewhere that is like a cafe that serves food in a shoe. And I don't know if much of this um, offense comes from Shinzo Abe and the other uh, diplomatic party themselves so much as people commenting on the images of the shoe dessert. I don't think Shinzo Let's see. Abe Let's see if there's had... any Abe quotes from it. I don't think Shinzo Abe has had a day of fun in his life, so I imagine, <laughs> I imagine eating what looks to be vomit out of a shoe isn't exactly... Even if he was offended by it, it wasn't like his number one thing to do anyway. I got, I got a good uh, picture of this occasion, a better one. I, I originally posted a link to a news article... But there's there's one on Instagram of the whole happy family sitting at the table and and Abe and they they just look kind of awkward. Their faces are like a little a little uh, wincy. They're uh, they're struggling to smile for the camera. Itanyu isn't even looking right. He's like he looks intently at the shoe. He's like I can't wait to get me. I can't wait to get in on some of that vomit. <laughs> Uh, uh, it's it's chocolate. It's chocolate dusted with like cinnamon or something. I don't know. It's oh well. Anyway, yeah. speaking of Japanese culture and oh. things about Japan. Oh. Quick segue. When do we never speak about that? Yeah, yeah. Although this week I haven't been playing games as much because I've been working on my own game. Um my own little demo thing, which will be out this week, by the way, so if you're interested, download that. Um, Congratulations, you know more you. about video games than us. Yeah, I, <laughs> ma I made one whole more video game than you do. I, I made a video game. It was very, very short. Matt, Mac in college. Matt, why you, gotta, why you gotta go there? <laughs> why you gotta go there, Matt? Why you gotta do this? I definitely <laughs> use some, like, corner, uh, Corona Trigger music and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I got an A, man. That's all that matters. <laughs> Go ahead, Leon. Uh, I've been watching while I was uh, doing sort of, like, work this week on it. I've been watching Agaretsuko, which is, Agaretsuko. New, which is that new Netflix Sanrio show yeah. that everyone is talking about on Twitter. I don't know I if either of you have watched it. Matt, did you yeah, check it out? Yeah, I know what it is, but I haven't oh, watched okay. it. So for anyone who doesn't know, Agaretsuko is like this brand new... I guess we have to call it an anime, although it isn't really. It has sort of like cel-shaded 3D-esque visuals to it. It is from Japan, so it is in a sense an anime. But... What it's about, it's about a character called Retsuko, who is like this red panda, which I found out when I went to a zoo recently, Japanese people call lesser pandas. Like, what's wrong huh. with the red panda? What, what is so lesser about the red panda? Well, I'm wondering, like, how exactly are red pandas related to, like, big giant white pandas? Because they look like extremely different animals to me. I, I never understood why but why they get the honor maybe of the panda title. Maybe because they're so small, Japan's just like... You are pathetic. You are you are a lesser panda. Look at look at those giant black and white ones. You <laughs> you puny puny red thing. You're lesser lesser than them. That's so mean. They should call them great raccoons instead of lesser pandas. <laughs> great dog. Great red greater dog raccoons. Bears. But so Redsko is this uh, red panda, and um, 
she is like one of Sanrio's new characters, and she is like a Jap a typical Japanese office worker. In the uh, the plot of the anime is it's about her oh, life. Oh, and an OL. Yeah, and it's about her life working in the accounting department for a company in Japan, and how fucking miserable it is. Just how so many problems there are with Japanese working society here, especially office workers like salary men and salary women. Um, but Retsuko's sort of way of dealing with it is she's cute and innocent and she's rather responsible and she lets people walk all over her. Um, That's very Japanese. Very Japanese. Um, but her way of getting it out is at the end of the day, she goes to the karaoke bar or karaoke booths by herself and she sings death metal. She sings I, death metal. She screams the the same song every time, but she changes like the lyrics this. to deal with what was happening that day. Where you know she'll sing about her bosses or coworkers or stuff like this, oh and she will just scream. Does, and does she sing horrifically violent acts like? The animation. I really hate my boss. He's a poo-poo head. There's one where, like, she wants them to be struck by lightning and stuff like that. So I she, hope we get struck by lightning. She gets, she gets pretty mean. Fire pretty mean in a sweet way. But it's rather interesting because I think although culturally, you know, it applies to most people who work shitty jobs, it really, truly digs in on what is shitty about Japan, like... I'm quite surprised, considering it's made in Japan and by a rather large, popular company like Sanrio, Sanrio being the people who make Hello Kitty, um, the fact that they kind of made this is pretty ballsy, because it's it's almost to the point of, like, hard to watch how unfair it is. It's so brutally honest about Japanese working culture. And I was watching it... So it works as, like, commentary. Yes, it is definitely, like... This really commentary. sounds like something up my alley. Like it sounds cute, subversive, it and really are you is cute watch and good, George. Are you finally gonna watch something good? Well, well, okay. There's a story behind this one, actually. Uh, I, is it is it okay if I give us a little uh, spoiler to a bit of new uh, question section here? Because there's there's context that I I feel that at least one of our listeners will get really giddy about. Okay. <laughs> All right, so do you guys remember when I watched Gamers a couple weeks ago? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. An email recommended by a fan. I, I was talking to some other fans on the Discord after that podcast, and they were like, George, why do you do this? <laughs> <laughs> why do you frustrate us so? I I'm fulfilling fan requests. And then I posted a little emoji of Bobby Hill wearing sunglasses and smiling. Um, because, like, it, I will admit, it's not good, but I enjoy doing it. It's still, like, fun uh to uh talk about the weird baby girl that apparently this show's demographic are supposed to uh, idolize as their perfect uh equal life partner anyways um the same person came back and uh sent an email saying i just wanted to apologize for suggesting gamers to you cards <laughs> on the table Cards on the table. I had only watched a few clips and parts of episode one when I sent my original email. After watching it further, I was really hoping you would just ignore my email. <laughs> Unfortunately, you sent his email. Didn't. We're gonna read it out. Like, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately, you didn't, and now I may need to unsubscribe the podcast out of pure embarrassment. <laughs> I, I. I, I I hope I haven't like embarrassed you too much, my good friend here, Eddie L. 
Um, because I what's, mean, what's it's not like a, what's more of an embarrassing moment: recommending gamers to George or serving the Prime Minister of Japan chocolate and a shoe. <laughs> the vote, the vote is out there. I I just want to point out that like we didn't give out Eddie L's last name. You know, we didn't say. Uh, Eddie L's location. We we don't know if Eddie L is a boy or a girl. So, um... And it, it, it's not like we, we included any links to, like, your old Zanga profile from high school. It's not that embarrassing. <laughs> We're not showing everyone those weird pictures what, of, of LinkedIn, like, that phase uh, in middle ADL? school where, where you wore tap-out shirts from Walmart because you thought they were cool and you listened to... to Limp biscuit. Uh, uh, George, uh, at least George. What? What? Where, what? Is, where is this going? I I just I just don't want you to feel too bad, Eddie L, because what ended up happening is that you ended up like Okay, sorry, let me let me continue on to read Eddie L's uh email now that I'm no longer so focused on how embarrassed they must be. I'll leave you guys with one final suggestion of something I've watched a good chunk of, and that uh -oh, is Aggressive Retsuko on Netflix. It's about a red panda who is a Japanese office worker that deals with their stress oh by singing death God. metal. I know you probably don't trust my opinion. Oh, that is not true, my friend, Eddie L. But okay. Matt from the Super okay. Friends play also enjoys it. Thanks. <laughs> He's redeemed and himself. And here we are. He's Liam redeemed is himself. already on that. <laughs> He's done it. Oh, my God. He's redeemed himself, unless me and Eddie L have terrible tastes, and then I'm now embarrassed myself. We'll find out when I catch up to it, I guess. But okay, and which... Yeah, no, seriously, seriously, because I was watching it I, with my lady friend who has just started her first professional job in Japan as a ooh. teacher. And... I'm sorry. Some of the similarities, <laughs> let's say, between what she's been going through with her first month at that job and the sort of abusive power of, like, older Japanese workers who because of the way hierarchy works in Japan, don't do any work and just shove all the work on, like, newer people. Watching Retsuko for her, like, Agaretsuko for her was like, it was like a busman's holiday. It was, it was too real. It was a release. <laughs> it was, it, it was too real, but it's, it's, it's so brutally honest about a lot of Japanese societal problems. And if you're interested in, like, so many people, of course, love Japan for all the wonderful things they bring us, all the, that soft power stuff, anime, games, and all that kind of stuff. But if you really want to see, like, what is, like, a really bad problem in Japan, which is the work culture, you've probably all heard of karoshi, which is the, the saying that gets batted around for people who work themselves to death in Japan. Agoresco really is probably the only thing out there that is honest about what it can be like working for a Japanese company. And it's pretty spot on as well as being entertaining too so it's definitely worth watching and eddie i got you back they called me the devil's advocate <laughs> well but eddie well i i actually was looking at watching that and you should give it a try you should give it a try i watched neo yokio <laughs> oh. i was like let me check this out let me see if it's okay <laughs> So this episode has a no a Netflix no chill section, <laughs> but not so a recommendation. We're, we're doing Neo Yokio. Wait, um, that is let, let let me get. This is the one that was made by Jaden Smith, George, right? Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Jaden is. This is an anime. He's not made. a good voice actor. He's not. 
This is the one with like the Toblerone, like right? Huh? The Toblerone. Oh, yeah. There's there's robots and Toblerones. Yeah, it, it's... I mean, it's crazy. Like, But the pacing is garbage. <laughs> like, it's just... <laughs> and he's... Like, the first... I watched the first episode. Um, so if people got farther than the first episode, you know, it's good to... Whew, you, you get a star. You get a star next to your name. Um, but it is a mess um, of, like, just obvious things that he's not realizing. Like, the way the show was just kind of presented um, in a very dumb way. And I, I don't know if it's on purpose. Um, because, like, the, the pacing is, like, really fast. And he wants to be the best person in in this whole city as well yeah and like at the end he has this whole monologue of like oh i am the the first you know the, the number one eligible bachelor in the city and i you know do this and do that i protect the city with my demon powers uh and it's just like what what like if you how do i explain this trash um <laughs> like he's just for the first half of the episode he's depressed because a, a woman his his girl kathy leaves him right and he's just throughout every single conversation he mentions that kathy left him every single conversation his auntie um says oh you have to go exercise this uh um this this girl who's possessed and he's like I'm not feeling up to it because Kathy left me. I'm so depressed. Like he says it like that. Like, like what? What are you doing? Like over and over again. It, oh, you need to go play in this hockey game. His friend wants to go, wants him to go do this hockey game because he's like the best player. And he's like, oh, I don't feel like doing it because I'm depressed because Kathy left. And he just keeps saying it every conversation. Like everyone knows, and. It, it it's not funny it's just <laughs> it it's looks just like boring trash. and like, it's it's trash uh, it's kind it's really trash it it ends you think like oh something there's something there there's something goofy about it but there's there's nothing redeeming about it it, it just kind of ends in a very unsatisfying I, I, not funny to laugh at way i i feel like that's almost a scam yeah because they market it, it as a thing. They, and when you hear it, when you're like, oh my God, this is real, you think it's going to be like the, the R. Kelly trapped in the closet or something. Like it's going to be mm -hmm. a parody series. Like it's going to be a comedy that's like playing with how bizarre the concept is. But it seems like. Grand, I haven't watched an episode all the way through. I have skipped through it. I've I've skipped through reviews of it. But it seems like the tone of, of Neo Yokio takes itself awfully straight for what it is. Mm hmm. Do you know what the artwork like, reminds me of? It reminds me of everyone who used to make like anime-based Newgrounds flash cartoons ooh. back in the day. Some of them were good. You could see like some, some of them looked better. Real than burgeoning this. animation talent was starting there, but most of them were kids looking for something to do. Like this yeah. is like ugh. the animation is okay. It it's not very powerful. Like. If you see like a hit, it doesn't feel as satisfying. They're not using the tricks, the good old 
the good old tricks uh, to make it seem um when you when your character has pink hair is black has purple eyes and yet he looks so bland you're doing mm-hmm. something wrong yeah he looks so bland yeah and his like robot he looks like... white his ro- white robot friend is it just looks like a refrigerator Instead of looking like a parody or a joke about what Jaden Smith's anime OC would be, he looks like a serious, legit, completely straight attempt at making a Jaden Smith anime OC. Wow. He's so... He sticks out because of his voice acting. It It just sucks. It sucks. And everyone else is, like, doing a decent job, and he's just like, yeah... Like just like if he got on the like he got on the mic after waking up in the morning, you know. Yeah. You know, like thirty minutes before the podcast or something, or recording. <laughs> sorry, for thirty minutes before the recording on a barely working internet connection. <laughs> <laughs> I've been able to pick up like half of the syllables so far of this entire podcast. I. You're doing woo. a good good job, George. I'm trying my darndest. Yeah, like, trying my darndest. It's like you're really here, George, contributing. What, what do you mean it's like I'm really... I'm totally here, live, Did he performing for you. Pod, do you think, Matt? <laughs> yep. I, I, to, to end off, like I feel like I might want to watch the second episode. Oh, my God. Just, Is it like just that? Just to see if just, there's something there. Just, watch Agoretsko instead. Or Megalobox. Or any of the pretty no, cool No, no, no. I'm, I'm, gonna, hey. I'm definitely going to watch uh, Red Panda. Definitely. So yeah. Well, I, I kind of want I want to watch the Red Panda one too. But I'll have you know that last week when my like non-passive non-video game entertainment playlist included three episodes of Bible Man, um, oh boy, and uh, the the uh, original what? God, there was some franchise thing that that was uh. Yeah. No, no, that was that was this week. Oh, break into Electric Boogaloo. That's coming up later. Um, I'll have you know that amongst all the trash I watched last week, I did actually watch the first episode of Megalobox. I'm I'm, I'm catching up slowly. Wait, 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 whoa, slowly. whoa, 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 whoa. This is this is a, like a revelation. What did you oh, just say? I I was sleepy and my internet was bad. And I wanted to giggle and snicker at, at bullshitting my way through a conversation about a movie I never saw. <laughs> but you watched Megalobox. Yeah, yeah, I watched the first episode of Megalobox. And it was, right. uh, it was fun. I just wish more had happened in that first episode. It seemed a lot slower than how you guys were yeah, hyping it, picks, it up. But it, maybe that happens at up, the second. It picks up pretty fast after that. But the first episode is definitely okay. setting the, uh... The tone. It's like uh, a tone. I just setting. like wonder how this happens because the first episode of a lot of animes are like great. Like the first episode of FLCL sends you on a on a rollicking roller coaster where you want to know what happens next. Yeah. But with Megalobox, you guys are like, dude, George, you gotta watch Megalobox. It's so good. It's so hype. But if the hypeness doesn't start in the second episode, and in the case of JoJo, it doesn't start until like the ninth or tenth episode. JoJo wondering... Shonen, though, it's a bit different. Like. Shonen is notorious for doing that. In 
Is oh, it customary God. to watch the first two episodes the first time you sit down for a series like this, or do you watch I think the it's one weird episode? with Megalobox, because Megalobox definitely is something along the lines of setting tone is important in that show. Like, it goes for a lot of panning of the wider city and making sure you're engrossed in sort of the landscape and of what's going on between the divide of the city. And then it gets into the sort of boxing towards the end of the episode. And then you sort of get introduced to, I guess, who is like the sort of antagonist of the season being, um, what's his name? The cool guy with the blonde hair. I forget his name, but it's definitely tone setting. And then the second one gets into more about what the show is actually going to be about, which is Junk Dog or Joe being a boxer. Like some hyper high tech lethal exoskeleton boxing blood sport and and in the first episode you get like a bit of that at the very very end but you don't really get a lot of uh i guess explanation of how the sport works until then yeah like yeah. there was i guess for for a series called megalo boxing there was less boxing than i was megalo it continues. expecting there is a, there is a twist around the fourth episode about how it's going to stand out and how he is a character is going to stand out but You'll find out soon enough. It, you know, there are only 20-minute episodes. You'll catch yeah, up soon enough. Yeah. I, can, I can squeeze that in. I think I can squeeze a, a couple OL Red Pandas in, too. Well, thank you for listening to Anime Dads. We'll, <laughs> we'll, see, you, we'll see you again next week. <laughs> maybe, maybe you'll be less embarrassed about the animation recommendations <laughs> you send over. Well, by next week, I'll hopefully have lots of games to talk about, because this weekend I will be in bits of it. Checking out all those wonderful brand new indie games from cool people. So, so how does Bit Summit compare to the scene in um, like like a Western professional game development con? It, like compared to a GDC or a. It's like funny indie you say this Cade. because I was having this exact conversation with someone earlier today about what it is about Bit Summit that makes it kind of special. So, for anyone who doesn't know, Bit Summit is this sort of, I guess, huge now. Um, it's this Japanese indie game festival in Kyoto, you know, the home of Nintendo, home of a lot of, like, the indie studios in Japan. And it's basically everyone who makes indie games comes to Kyoto for one weekend, and you have all these Japanese... It's predominantly focused on, like, Japanese game creators and the indie games they're making. So you see a lot of, like, sort of older guys who used to work on some pretty popular games, like the guy who made Seaman, his sort of new game. There's the, there's the guy who I, did, like... I know a few of those guys. Oh, I bet you do. I bet you do. Like, the guy who made, like, Tulip, that weird, like, game about that boy who kisses things that the game grumps play, like, his Oh, games. Tulip. Tulip. Yeah. And uh, just, like, loads of sort of famous Japanese craze. Like, uh, also, what's his name? The guy who wears the hat. Igarashi-san. You know, bloodstained and... All these guys get to this one place in Kyoto and they demonstrate all the sort of new games they've been playing. And it's this weird show where if you've been to like game conventions or game trade shows before, like E3 or GDC or um, PAX and all these kind of things, it's mostly about selling what you're making, right? It's it's about business. It's about getting no, nothing, people to nothing play personal, kid. to spread the word, right? It's not a it's not a celebration in a sense of video games. Like even PAX now is like you go to PAX, you demonstrate your game, you get people playing, you get people talking on Twitter, 
boom, you make some money. Like the Shovel Knight guys, that's how they said they did it, went to PAX, and then all of a sudden Shovel Knight, you know, Kickstarter, blew up. It's all about business with those sort of Western-focused things. Whereas like Bits of it is this weird thing where no one gives a fuck about that. No one is selling their games. No one is doing anything. It's more about just demonstrating what you've been making. Sort of like everything you've been keeping secret all year is now like for people to play and people to criticize. And predominantly, I think that's because most of the people who actually go are developers. Similar to GDC, you have the Japanese public, like the wider Japanese public play, but almost, I think, 50% of the people who go must be like other game creators or people associated with the games industry. So there's like yeah. a almost like a weird like collective family atmosphere of friends just showing friends what they've been working on. And, and that's why I wanted to ask how it compares to a Western professional game development con, because there's a very different atmosphere between well, uh, certain events of, of gaming cons, depending on how much of the audience is fans versus how yeah. much is developers. But even with GDC, it's, it's, it's still about business. And even though, you know, BitSummit is now so large that, you know, they have PlayStation there, they have Nintendo there, even though it's meant to be specifically only an indie game festival. And they have, you know, devolvers there and all these kind of things. It still has this weird atmosphere where the creators of these games stand in front of the TV and they talk to everyone who plays the games. It, there isn't sort of, there's like no wall or barrier between and you ask lots of questions. And it's just kind of like a really weirdly positive place. Like everyone's just talking about like game design or what games they've been playing. It's really friendly. And it, I haven't experienced that in any sort of Western places before. I don't know about you guys, if you've ever been to like a, a convention that has felt like that that isn't like people trying to sell you their game like people not trying to just get you to demo stuff because they inevitably want you to either talk about it or buy it yeah i mean momocon that... was like momocon is kind of chill right mm -hmm. the the adult swim event at the tabernacle is something i'm thinking of too but they still are trying to sell you stuff yeah like, yeah, if it's not I mean, the game itself, then it's media coverage of the game. I think there's, like, a little bit of prestige with Bitsummit as well because of its location, obviously being in Kyoto, being in the home of Nintendo, and also the inaccessibility of it gives it some sort of mythos. Like, you know, it's this faraway festival in Japan that all the famous video game developers go to. It seems like, wow, it must be this magical experience. And it really is quite a, a magical experience. But I think that lends to its uh, reputation, let's say, more than everyone goes to PAX. Everyone goes to MAGFest or, so or something like that, if you get what I mean. Yeah. It seems a little more inaccessible, which makes it a little more... Like, once you're there, you feel special. Like, if, if you're I there just... demonstrating your game, or if you're there sort of relaxing with all these developers, it's a bit more special. I don't know. Yeah, and, and I'm wondering what it. that what it feels to have that professional exclusivity, but with a relaxed atmosphere. Because GDC is definitely one of those, but GDC not the other. Whereas, yeah. like, BitSummit, in fairness, BitSummit costs $10. To go. Oh, that's that's a lot cheaper. It's a lot cheaper considering GDC is like a thousand dollars, but which is way more exclusive, I guess. But if you're flying in, it's going to cost you not a pretty for penny. the press side though. 
No, that's true. <laughs> hey, kids, if you want to go to GDC but don't have a lot of money, go to their press registration website and uh, say you work for Super Bunny Hop, I guess. We'll, we'll <laughs> see on. how well it goes. Yeah, like, me and Matt are going to try next year. It's going to be like, uh, so, guys, we had 500 applications. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, never mind. Actually, don't. But I, yeah, kids, if you want to go to GDC but don't have the money to start, do what I did and start a new media company within the past year to fill out your application on their website for getting a media pass. And it might work. Or you could say you work for like Markiplier or something. Just not just not us. Just don't say Yeah, us. Just, just send them an email. <laughs> so, no, I think I think Jake Paul might work. Yeah, you can Logan do that too. Mom. He's he's playing yeah. like Fortnite and stuff, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's like he's popular video. Everyone game knows him. Media, for all the best reasons. Of course. But yeah, so I'm hoping to only good publicity. I'm hoping to check out a lot of cool. I've seen some of the previews for some of the stuff that's going on there, and I'm kind of excited because I'm gonna. I'm so sick of working on this game. I've been working on this sort of thing that I'm kind of like. I just want to like release it and let people play it because I'm, I'm so sick of it but then I know I'm going to go to bits of it and I'm going to be feeling inspired and I'll be like why did I do that <laughs> why did I release like a half finished <laughs> game <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it it's always fun it's always fun no. if there are any people who any people who listen to podcasts who are going to be there let me know and it'll be fun which is a good way to segue into actually talking about video games with Mr. George Weedman. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, lots of <laughs> Monster Hunter worlds, I see. Generations. I'm still at Generations. Yeah. And like, my God. Okay, how, how, how do you make progress in this game? I keep killing monsters. I keep doing gathering quests. I keep like unlocking new ones. I keep solving the villagers' problems. But no like story come it's so weird playing a game that does not have an overarching story arc to it there's no threat there's no i i i guess like conflict in this world where where you have monsters that are like causing villagers problems and then you have a, a board of of perpetually updating contracts to take care of those monsters but there aren't like recurring characters that throw up there's no overarching problem of the world that you're trying to solve here i'm at the stage of the story that's gone on for 30 hours i will tell you at which point throughout all 30 hours the most pressing problem facing these villagers giving them reasons to make my contracts that i slay monsters with is that they want to increase their tourism revenue that's the <laughs> problem that... that's the story the is villagers really want the to story? increase their tourism revenue so they they hire some monster hunters to to kill some monsters and i'm wondering is this normal because like i've seen cutscenes from monster hunter world monster hunter world has cutscenes with characters who have faces that tell you stuff with their mouths oh no th that's definitely a first for the series ever like that was like one of the biggest selling points for world was that now we have like a fully fledged single player story that has cutscenes and voice acting. Well, I've also and stuff. been told that For You was the story. Like when I was buying my first, the very first Monster Hunter game that I'm trying to get myself into Monster Hunter with, my choices were: do I want the little shitty story of Monster Hunter For You, or do I want the overwhelming breadth of features, uh, characters, locations, and settings of Monster Hunter Generations? So apparently, a story is something that's at least a little bit expected. But gen generations, there's know, like not, I am. They're not known for it. 
I'm astounded by just like how little there actually is to to the story at least. And how long it must be taking to pick things up. I'm, I mean, I'm getting in the groove of it. I'm going back and forth of the online modes. I'm figuring out the menus. I'm clicking through them way faster. I'm not having any more of the, like, mental obfuscation of which kind of reward box shows up and which menu and how the upgrade trees work and all that jazz. I'm, I'm micromanaging my Palico's equipped skill sets and armors now, but... But I, I, I'm still not feeling a good motivation. Why? Other than every hour and a half of gameplay, I'll occasionally be fighting a monster that's fun to do battle with. How are you getting on with the controls? Oh, I still trip up with them every now and then. That item uh, bar that you have to hold the L trigger and then start pressing face buttons to select an item with is something I don't know if I'll ever fully be able to get used to. Yeah, you see, you just you just need to... Just buy worlds, George. Oh, oh, I will. And I'll be... You just watch. I'll be real good at it because I have like 30 to 50 hours of experience in generations. It does feel like you're playing with five fingers missing on the 3DS and then as soon as you step into yes. the world, you gain like an extra limb. Yeah, I, I like the tension of the fights. I like how they play. I like how they've invented a system where, where the combat is more of an endurance challenge than like straight skill or timing. Um, and the, the like artistry of this whole franchise is just really cute and well done as well. But it really, really, really is a single player MMO. Like like the combat's better yeah. than than a single player MMO would expect, but in terms of like level design and, and quest design and layout, like it it there's a massive amount of fetching to it. There's very little stakes and and uh urgency and and character to the world. There's there's a lot of filler that that's meant to be done while you and your friends are talking with each other or listening to podcasts while playing the game is, is your quest objectives will just be something like deliver 10 tropical berries. <laughs> wow. And I, I just want to fight monsters. Um, I don't know. Sounds like I'm not missing anything. Well, I, I know that Liam has gotten into Monster Hunter before. I don't know if Matt has, and I'm wondering... I did. How my... Okay, how, how does my experience compare? Because, like, I'm... I, I'm somehow sucked into this thing. I find myself playing it a lot. It, and it's, you know, not, like, the greatest, happiest game I've ever played ever. But I'm yeah. just wondering, like, if it was... If it had as many rough spots trying to get into the franchise when you guys started. Yeah, it was pretty rough for me. Um, yeah. Me too. I, I would say uh, after you play a few hours, like you're well into the game, you, it's like, man, this game would be better with people. <laughs> this game would be better with people. Um, yeah, except you can't junk in You between. can't do the story quests with other people. Yeah. They like gate out a lot of the game's content behind the grinding that I don't like. And to be fair, everyone warned me, but it's also got good combat. Is this because not many people are playing, or...? I, there's, like, a combination of it. I have not had that much of a problem finding games on the 3DS these days with it, but I, I have say, I imagine every... it's still pretty popular. Like, like, one in six chance I'll have a problem finding a game. Mm. So it's not perfect. Uh, um, you need to just buy World. I do, I do, and I, I will when it comes out on PC. I will, I will. Why, why are you waiting for PC, though? 
because like, uh, frame, frame rates. Um, okay. Fuck! I'm so sorry I have to do this, but I really have to go to the bathroom. Ah! Uh, 48 <laughs> right. minutes. Edit. Out. Bathroom. Okay, I'm gonna run right back. I'm sorry to do this before the break. Ah! I guess this is the break. <laughs> I love sushi. I love Japan, period. Mm -hmm. The tea ceremonies. J-Rock! Oh, yeah! Garuga Mesh! Oh, yeah! yeah. Hey. I love anime! Yeah. And manga! Oh, and gaming! Oh, yeah! Oh, DDR! Smile yeah. DK! Sakura-kan Don't just talk about it. Check out Sakura-kan. April 10th through 12th. Check sakura-kan.org for all the details. Hello, and welcome back. Hi. 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 <laughs> Hi. Hi. Just setting the tone for the kid to be strangled. Or not being strangled. That was it? That, You're that just was, like jumping was, right in. That's just, that was well, it. You sounded... Okay, Matt, the thing you, is... You sounded almost giddy with excitement at the prospect of I know. a wizard child being strangled. Yeah. And not just any child. One of, you know, the important ones. <laughs> okay, Ooh. so... Yeah, yeah, we're jumping into the news with uh, some some very glee glib discussion about child murder. Um, okay, let me <clears throat> let me let me give a give a stab at this. <clears throat> In this new Harry Potter Hogwarts mystery free to play game for phones, kids will have to pay or wait for their microtransaction electronic arts Hogwarts fun fee to save children from being strangled to death by giant tentacle monsters that like kind of hover them in front of their face as they look sad at the camera as little <laughs> energy prompts appear at the bottom of the screen asking you to uh, pay wow. up to I'm looking to at this I'm get these kids out of trouble. What I don't get about this is the kid doesn't die either way, right? You either just pay or you just Yeah, you just yeah. Wait. The kid like, just kind of no like danger. during the <laughs> they pause the action scenes telltale-esque midway through asking you for prompts that appear at the bottom of the characters is like being in trouble covering up most of the screen. There's just there's just no danger though. <laughs> the kid just... It's not real danger. It's a, it's it's a video game, and it you know it pulls you right out. It uh it affects the states. It makes you uh you know not appreciate how 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 much of a rat race living this fucking life is. It, it says but then it reminds you every four. You have to wait four minutes in order to your um, energy to charge, or you can buy gems. Seriously. Yeah. The the four minute. The way the timer works is a little more convoluted than that it's about every four minutes that you get a prompt to ask for energy and i think every four minutes you get one point of energy but <laughs> as you can see from the comment the the context of the action scenes of the kid getting strangled freeing that kid takes about yeah Seven. five five so that's 20 minutes of waiting oh even more yeah because you got to do different uh, button inputs to get this kid yeah, this out of the ton. strangling tank this tentacles. Ton. So so this kid is is getting hong fired, and there's meters filling up at the bottom of the screen that have little blue orbs that are your microtransaction currency, and uh, Why the, kid the kid just kind of like just, just, yeah, they they like just... 
just get bored. Wait for you to press the button underneath the kid's terrified, eye-popping face to put in your microtransactions. Until then, the kid is just going to be, like, asphyxiated forever, I guess. Wow. <laughs> Who thought this was a good idea? Who honestly thought this was a good idea? Okay, so it costs 55 points of energy to save the child from the strangle tangle. You get one point of energy every four minutes. So you can either have the kid get get uh, snuggled by the strangle tangle <laughs> for four minutes of 55 points. That's 210 minutes divided by 60 is three and a half hours. Wow. That kid is going to be <laughs> fucking bored. Wait. So, yeah, you're like, imagine what it's like being a kid these days where you, you know how you would like sneak the Game Boy with Pokemon into class? I guess nowadays what you do is you sneak a cell phone into class, you occasionally press a button on the screen, and then you wait three and a half hours until recess when you can press a couple more buttons on the screen. And then the game makes you wait three and a half hours again till the bus ride home where you get, like, a couple more button prompts on the screen. And there's supposed to be a story in, 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 in this. It's an uh, uh, adventure game. There's, there's characters who have problems that, oh. that need to get solved that are more complicated than how do we increase tourism at Hogwarts. <laughs> oh, how, how this is, is this bad. a thing? How is this a thing? Who thought... This was a thing. Wow. The publisher. Hey, now, can you change your avatar, or is it always? This I think your your dude? child avatar is customizable. I, is it really? your character? So it's like I, I really it was like dangerously close to some some hentai. I mean, maybe you can like turn it into a. Maybe you can like increase the size of your child's butt and skirt. I don't know. It's not made in Japan. It is not. It is Hogwarts not. mystery. Oh but God. you wouldn't know it from the scene that's going through the news. Pushing onwards. We we have a much more uh, lighthearted news story. Uh, job listing has popped up on Japanese Nintendo site for a level designer that uh, references specifics that include... Dungeon creation, enemy design, events, and field or map creation. Uh, they are also specifying that this job entry is for Zelda. Well, actually, IGN said that the job entry specifies that it's for Zelda. So let's let's run this through. Google Translate of the original primary source and see what comes up because it's not common for video game companies to specify what it, franchise the job listing isn't, is. But I do think it is Zelda from what I've what I've skimmed over. Um, yeah, I, I know it happens every now and then, and but I it's not really why, standard. I, I don't know why people are jumping on this. Like, if you apply for Nintendo, what do you like? What do you think you're going to be working? Uh, between 34,000 and 74,000. Please do not apply for those currently enrolled in the Nintendo group. Okay. Can you for live some reason, for 34,000 in, in Japan? 
Say again. Can you live by yourself with thirty-four thousand dollars a year? Is that is yeah. that doable? Is it is it yeah. different? No, that's you, that's perfectly doable. Hmm. So yeah, yeah, no, they do specify that this is Zelda. I, I guess, Liam, you can follow the links to the original page, but I Google translated the header of the top words on the job listing. And it's funny, it it's, it's funny actually, goes to because if I'm The Legend of Zelda series in, designer. If I'm correct in saying, this is actually a, a similar post to something Nintendo posted a month ago that got forwarded to me about applying for and then so you heard about it through the grapevine before no but it was changed that it was a sort of short-term contract thing so i don't know whether they were working on something that they wanted to be done quickly it was a short-term contract and now this is popped up as a full-time contract and the sort of specifications are very similar so i don't know if something changed or they are two different jobs it is weird because in japan usually when you apply for a company usually they hire people in april japanese companies don't really hire at random times throughout the year it's always specifically around the time uh university students graduate and it's around april each year they have like huge job recruitment fairs and stuff like that in japan and when you apply for a company most of the time even like companies like nintendo you just get hired and then told what you're going to be doing. You don't get hired Forever. because of certain skill sets. Um, unless you are, you know, someone like Moppin, uh, you know, Ojiro, who made Downwell, who recently got hired by Nintendo. Obviously, he's hired for a very certain specific set of skills that are fit. Usually, you just get hired. So, it's quite intriguing to see Nintendo specifically list what they want. Like, Dungeon design, map design, enemy design. I think that must be a first for Nintendo. I'm, I'm sure I'm wrong and there have been certain times before, but uniquely, you just usually get hired by Japanese companies and then told what you're going to be doing. When, mm, I don't know, how much uh, are we allowed to talk about Jordan Amaro's career path and like personal stepping stones to working with Nintendo in Japan? And I wonder if... He might have ever shared stories of what the job listings looked like that he applied for, if they were like internally shared within these companies or released publicly on the internet, and if I they specified. I don't know how Jordan got his role. I don't know specifically how Jordan got his role. Mm -hmm. I know he had some help from a, a dear friend of ours to do his application, but I, I'm, I'm not really sure to the extent of what was being offered by Nintendo or what the uh, job posting was at the time. It was uh, before I'd met Jordan, so I don't know too much. And Jordan's pretty so much actually you want to be the next stuff, even for Jordan. So. If you want to be the next uh, Jordan Amaro, now it's your Well, that's chance. the thing is, if you want to be the next Jordan Amaro uh, and you're going to apply for this job, you need to speak Japanese, sorry, because they're reading the posts. It says that Japanese is a must. It's a requirement of being able to communicate with the rest of the team. And by Japanese is a requirement, it means you must have basically N1 Japanese qualification. So it's no, no better time to start. Stones, huh? No yeah. better time to start than now. If you want to. Yes. 
it's I, it's weird that the West picked up, like Western media picked up on this because this is almost certainly aimed at just a Japanese person public. Yeah, yeah. I imagine they're, the Zelda not, tag is what did it. I think so. Yeah. Um. So are we cool to move on to the next one? Talk about uh, laws changing. Like, like they sometimes do. So this is surprising. This is a tech gaming industry regulation that's going to be pushing out some major changes to how things are, are done the way we know them from an American agency. Which is, you know, like not really been the style for the past 25-ish years. Uh, the Federal Trade Commission has decided that those warranty stickers that get put on side of your consoles that are like, warranty ward, if you remove this and take it apart and send it in for repairs, actually aren't kosher anymore. Uh, they have sent out, I'd really like to read the procedure and, and arguments and logic behind it, but the news as of now is that they have sent it sent out six notices in early April for illegally telling customers that getting third-party repairs will void the warranty on their electronics. Um, Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, Hyundai, HTC, and Asus are all included, and I'm sure we have all seen these before. You know, you have like an old Nintendo or something, and you you want to crack it open to bend the, the connectors back or dust them off with some alcohol, and you got to break stickers and, and seals to get in there, and they are apparently going to say that breaking your warranty for breaking those stickers is illegal. I wonder how they're going to try to continue to fight the third-party markets of um, console modders and crackers and hackers and also purely innocent legitimate repairmen because that's what those stickers are there for and no one's really liked how crappy the options are with working with um a lot of first party console repair companies but and i never really got it because if you take like your car to a garage Mm -hmm. you're allowed a mechanic to fix your car a garage (laughs) A, a, a garage? What the you, age what the of fuck? Gary? What do you guys say? A garage. It's, shut up. A mechanic. Gary edge? Is it like a <laughs> s- faster, easier way to say garbage? Just because you got English <laughs> right through Google Translate once. <laughs> no, like, you can take your car to a mechanic and your uh, mechanic's allowed to open it up and fix it and shit. Why can't you do that with, like, electronics? Uh, probably because the cheaper price tag means that there's no expectation of like long-term reliability or lasting from this product. Also, for That's cars, nice. don't repairmen have to be like roped into some official partnership program? That's why why people don't like like American cars so much as Japanese. I mean, I'm not necessarily an expert on cars, right? But the whole problem of like proprietary parts is very much one shared by the auto industry as well, isn't it? And, uh, like, like John Deere tractors have firmware now that, like, shuts the things down if you don't pay your, your John Deere tractor fun fee. What? And I think there were also moves to make that kind of thing illegal, too. I'm going to look it oh up. Oh, my God. Deere tractor. Everything's going to be, like, DRM. Blade Runner-esque ID guns that no one can use unless you have specific IDs. ID-tagged weapons. It's not going to be, like, a second-hand industry of anything. 
so so if you go for a psyche pile and then they're like oh you're not fit to use a weapon boom can't use anything or if you want Branded to forever you know plow your field and uh make make money and food for millions of people but your tractor's drm is on the fritz and you want to like take it to DRM. some shop in brazil where they'll like break the sticker and, and unscrew the one drm control chip that yeah no, i'm not i'm not you have to bullshitting get a you guys john deere, john deere tractors have God. no you have to get a registered john deere developer to come out and and he tries to sell you like 50 bits of hardware DLC that wow. connects to the tractor. And... So, yeah, apparently what you do when your John Deere tractor is broken nowadays, since the firmware is making it more difficult to repair traditionally, you install hacked Ukrainian firmware onto your farming tractor. I can't uh, tell if you're joking. No, no, but I'll link you guys to the... Uh... News article on digitaltrends.com. Vice also did a story on it. Boing Boing did one. Tech Dirt Motherboard. Jesus Christ. The okay, when crunch time. We live in. It's absolutely a dystopia. When crunch time comes and we break down, chances are we don't have time to wait for a dealership employee to show up and fix it. Nebraska hog farmer Danny Kluth testified to the state legislature. Most of all, the new equipment requires a download to fix. A download for your tractor. Kevin what Kinney, another Nebraska farmer, says, if a farmer bought the tractor, he should be able to do whatever he wants with it. You want to replace a transmission and you take it to an independent mechanic, he can put in the new transmission, but the tractor can't drive out of the shop now. Deer charges $230 plus $130 an hour for a technician to drive out and plug a <laughs> connector into their <laughs> USB port to authorize the part change. Well, I guess it's good news that we can get rid of those warranty void if removed stickers then, because otherwise that would I, be the I, video game hell. Don't we're live get in. your hopes up, because we're very much living in the apocalypse, and what's actually pretty much probably going to be changing from the results of these uh, legislator rule changes is just a difference of legislation. Instead of the sticker being there, there'll just be a new line in the EULA saying that unauthorized repels by unauthorized repairs given by third-party resellers without permission from Nintendo void the warranty of your console if you if you put it in harm's way of of being broken which is the idea that's the point of of this whole trend is to try wow. to sell customers a service which only exists until you need it it's very much an insurance scam you know the product of of a quality Nintendo repair job doesn't exist until hundreds of like angry tickets are going to show up on their counter it's like a reactionary business decision by design and any well uh, speaking any, of any 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 kind of corporate overrule from either the government or the corporations trying to keep people from repairing their own shit 300 dollar stuff stuff. Is, stuff they've already bought stuff they they own how difficult it is to do that is a sign of how deep into the cyber dystopia we are. Mm. You never like whether or not it's something. from yourself or from someone else. You can never just buy something and it's yours. There's always someone else who has some claim of ownership to it in some way. And speaking like, of shady business practices... VR gosh. headsets Whoa. could have replaceable <laughs> parts. I thought we were going to Nintendo, but okay. 
I thought we were, but then George said VR after that, and that just made yeah, my yeah. sentence even better. Let's uh, let's keep that train from derailing and derail later, as we discuss uh, Nintendo's plans for Switch online services. This is awful. <sighs> well, are we getting? Are, are we getting something new with it? Like, is it gonna be? Well, actually. You can now play the Nintendo Online subscription fun games uh, through Netplay Online. So when you like want to load up some some Excite Bike on your uh, Nintendo Switch Online fun subscription, you can you can do that with another player on the internet. No, uh, 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 you're glossing over some news here, George. <laughs> so because this is quite so this is something like. People accuse me of being Nintendo biased quite often, but this, quite rightly, is being well, critically. Matt, Matt criti- asked if there was something new. There, what, what is Netplay? I'm still confused. What the hell is Netplay? Oh, Netplay. That's uh, when an emulator pretends that other players on the internet are plugged into controller port number two of oh. the game they're emulating. Yeah. Wait, so you can play Switch games with. With what? So. So what's happening is Nintendo are bringing out something called the Nintendo Switch Online, where you have to pay a subscription each month to access the online services, even though, of course, we've been playing Mario Kart, Splatoon, um, ARMS, and all those games for free online already. Now, you'll, if you want to continue doing that, you will have to pay. The caveat is, alongside being able to play online and also getting cloud saving, which is kind of cool if you have like a a thousand hour Breath of the Wild save system you don't want to lose. Instead of the virtual console, which which I'll, I'll get to in a minute, we now get 20, initially 20 games, Nintendo Entertainment System games, so NES games, Again, 20 yeah. games that are games like... And they're Fight, NES games. Dr. Mario, Super Mario Bros. 3, Donkey Kong, Ice Climbers, Legend of Zelda Mario. All of the mm. staple games you'd expect that everyone has played 50,000 times before, yeah. which is a thing on its own. Now you can play some of them, two-player, or they have new two-player modes with players either locally or online. So these games have been, like, these old NES games have been completely reworked to have multiplayer. So, for example, you can play, like, Dr. Mario with someone online, or you can do stuff like The Legend of Zelda, like, two-player. On another Switch. On another Switch, or you can have, like, the two-player Switch stuff. Oh, okay, so it's just regular online. I thought I thought you were telling yes. me something no, no, incredible. No, like, like... no, no, like there is the regular online, but also the these old NES games that maybe didn't have multiplayer now have like brand new multiplayer modes. Wait, are you sure about that? Because from the language of the like the press release, I thought it was more that they were just plugging netplay into No, I thought there was like they were going to add like new modes to some old games. That allow you to like experience them like you can play Zelda like two player and stuff like that. I thought that was one of the things. For the first time ever, players will be able to enjoy these classic NES games online. Depending on the game, players can engage in online competitive or collaborative multiplayer. Or take turns controlling the action. Ah, Okay, so that's what they're going to do. So they're going to allow you to pass the controller virtually and you can watch your friend play from another room. Which is even worse. If they were, like, making new 
fun and exciting additions like two-player Zelda. That would be great, but it seems they're they're not even doing that, which is what I. You thought. you could you could buy NES Remix. So for this the is this Wii U. is this is way worse than I thought, and I already they made thought it was two bad of them. because the other news tied to this is that they're not they've killed off the Virtual Console. So there is no more Virtual Console. What we had with the Wii, with the Wii U, and the 3DS is now gone. Being able to play. NES games, Super Nintendo games, Game Boy games, Game Boy Color games, Game Boy Advance games, DS games, N64 games is all gone. So some people are okay with this system, which is fine. If you're excited about playing, like after a year and a half of waiting, if you're excited about one, playing games that you can already play online for free, now you have to pay for that. Or you're excited about playing the same 20 NES games everyone has been getting for free for years, like Balloon Fight and Ice Climber and Donkey Kong and Super Mario Bros. That's fine too. But the fact that this is now replacing Virtual Console, which is by and large one of Nintendo's only online things they've ever done well, which is a library of Nintendo's most famous back-cataloged games. You know, the reason as to why people love Nintendo. Being able to play games like Earthbound, games like Advance Wars, games like Super Mario 64, for pretty low prices, on your 3DS or on your Wii U, is great. But now that's gone. They're not going to do it for the Switch. They have no plans, as they said in the Kotaku article today, they have no plans to do that. So the problem here is, now we're getting this Netflix-esque subscription service where you pay a subscription, you get 20 games that you can play for free at any time, online and offline. First initial batch of 20 are not exciting at all. I don't know about you guys, but I am very tired There's of the same. not many NES left. games always being shown, always Balloon Fight, always Dr. Mario. Exactly. So that's nothing to get excited about. And these games have had net play added code, which is something I imagine even if rather small, still takes time to develop, which means to make more, considering there's only 20, means that there will be a long gap between receiving more. So we've gone from having a library of like thousands of old Nintendo games. Being able to play games from, you know, the old Fire Emblem games on Game Boy Advance to Super Mario Land on the Game Boy Color or the Game Boy or whatever, to now having zero choice and only paying for a subscription so we can play two-player Dr. Mario online. This is such the backward step and such consumer-unfriendly work by Nintendo. They obviously have worked out that they can make more money by forcing people into subscriptions that look like the Virtual Console than actually offering a service where people buy individually for five ninety-nine games. I just want Super Mario World. That's, that's uh, what I want. But you won't get it, Matt. Actually, you can't, you can't I, get it. You have I, to. You have I to just wait. Have to wait. I just have you to just wait. have. 
You just have to wait. Whereas Actually, if you had a Wii U or you had a 3DS, you can have it right now. Do you have a no, working I, I any do, literally any literally any electronic computing device? Exactly. But the point is as well, there are so many people out there who will have sold their 3DS or their Wii U already to have a Switch. Because the Wii U, especially considering Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze came out this week, like the, the Wii U, by the time Smash Brothers comes out, is redundant. There, every good game that was on that system, apart from the Fire Emblem cross Shin Megami Tensei game, will be on Switch already. So it's not even worth having around for that reason. So people will have sold that shit. And there's 3DS people already think the Switch has killed off the 3DS by and large. So not to not even to add is the fact that Nintendo's accounting system is so bad that once you purchase one game on one console, you can only have it on that console. And if you lose or sell that console, you then have to rebuy it. And now they have a system where they've just completely killed it off. This is like the worst, most backwards shit. I don't understand it. I don't... I don't understand. This is Nintendo. But they've they've done so well to get the Switch right. Like, ha- the idea... Well, well, sales figures and continued hype and praise would suggest so. I like, like the Switch. They're like stumbling along. They're like... Oh, 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 good idea. Everyone likes it. <laughs> I don't I don't think they're I'm stumbling thinking. along when they sell like 10 million copies yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. Mario Odyssey. <laughs> like, they are making a lot of Sorry, money. Sorry, you said Mari- Mario what? What is that game? Ma- Mario Odyssey sold 10 million copies. Oh, I, did, oh, I didn't know that game came out. <laughs> I think you've blocked it from your memory, Matt. Mario Odyssey. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember this game. Paid online console gaming is a scam by companies who who pretend that PC companies hadn't figured this shit out like decades ago. No, no, because they're so freaking bad at online crap. They're so bad. Every they figured time it out last it time, though. The Miiverse was great. Splatoon worked pretty much as intended. The yeah, one problem was that they didn't have a good VoIP protocol. So and now you have to pay for that shit. <laughs> Damn friend codes are still here. Exactly, exactly, exactly. But the worst part is the stuff they got right, which is like knowing that you know that shitty fucking T-shirt you see, like idiot nerdwear, the one that says "classically trained, know your history." That bullshit one with the Nintendo controller. Like the one thing Nintendo at least knew was their history and the fact that if they get online wrong, whatever. As long as I can fucking play Mega Man X like on my 3DS, it was fine. And the fact that they're not even offering players the choice now in what games they choose, like older games, backward compatible games they choose now, is like it's ridiculous. It sounds extra ridiculous, ridiculous. when your voice like stretches out into robotic into <laughs> trashiness at the end of your like high pitched anger. <laughs> Nintendo is slowly turning me into a robot. And George is enjoying the Liam devolves into like chip tunes. Uh, not understanding what is happening. <laughs> <laughs> 
It still sounds better than the uh, eShop music on Switch. Which is non-existent. There's that's, no soul on the that's, Switch uh... eShop. Ah! I feel like I've, re- I've reached my tether. You know when George internally screams and it leaks out as like a wheezy... Yeah, that's, this, uh, this is what I've reached. Because I've reached the point of exhaustion. The Wii U, I feel Nintendo, like the personality was there. The, the the shop had cute music. There was like a cute loading screen mini game. The Miis were so cute. The Miiverse was yeah, so cute. You're right. Just, it's just like, just copy it. Like, just, just copy like, it. I went to Miami, all right? And I took my <laughs> Wii U with Smash, right? Because we're going to play some Smash. And... I had to update in order to play Mario Maker. And my God. My God. Did that take mm, their servers aren't great. Yeah. To Maybe update. they can use all their revenue from the <gasps> online service to pay for better Holy. servers. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. The four hundred megabyte download for the snipper clips DLC this took exists. like three and a half hours too. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. I, I I wait till there's something good and I'll and I'll buy Switch Online. I'm so uh, sad. You want to move to questions? I'm so sad. The Switch was the Switch was. Let's 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 do it. Let's jump right in. I need some positivity. Oh, uh, Andy E asks, which do you guys generally prefer? A game that you have a really good opening or an ending? A great opening to get you... <sighs> a great opening to get you pulled into the game so that you'll enjoy it for most of the time you play it before you drop it when it gets worse later? Or do you want an amazing ending that you worked so hard to get to past the crap to reach that you'll remember fondly for ages? Oh, God. Oh, God. That's... They're both crap. What? How are they both crap? Those are both good things. You want balance. You want balance. I, there. I guess, I, I, but I would rather. I'd rather have one than nothing. I would. I would rather. Oof. I would rather a better ending. Uh, <laughs> I. Because I, like, and I would hope that the beginning is not that crap. Like, are we talking about just the story? Are we talking about like everything is bad at the beginning? Like even gameplay. Yeah, yeah. Let's say like, like how satisfying the final boss, final level, final cutscenes are. Let's be honest. If a game is pretty flat in the beginning, you're probably not going to reach the ending anyway. Mm-hmm. But if I had to choose, because I I'm not like YouTube a special boy who gets to play video games day and night. That's my job. <laughs> I rarely see the ending of most games. I don't have the time, so I'd rather a really good opening. <laughs> I, I, I wanna, I wanna feel satisfied by the end, you know. Real yeah, satisfied. but you, it depends on the type of game. But you're mostly gonna be satisfied by getting through it anyway. Right. That's that's why I think both of them are terrible. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. Why would I want to have either one of those? I I just won't play well, it I, if the game is bad. I'm. I'm with Liam though. I'll I'll play a bad game if it has a good beginning yeah, for a while. Yeah, because at least if you're always going to experience a strong opening, because a hundred percent. I like, think it's real important for, to be hooked. Uh, for a hundred percent of the games you play, you will a hundred percent see the opening. Whereas for a hundred percent of the games you play, you may only see fifty percent of the endings. So I would rather the opening always be good. 
or most of the games I play have a really strong opening experience that is good and enjoyable and would push me to the end. Hmm. 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 Yeah. I, I don't think I'd get pushed to the end if... Well, I'd get pushed to the end if there was just, like, good systems building up the mid-game. But, like, a strong early game is just so freaking strong. Like, like that's when you're also going to be at your most immersed because you don't know or haven't seen the game, like, crap itself yet. Like, when you're playing the Far Cry games, the first hour and a half is always great because you don't know how the grind works yet. You uh, don't know how repetitive that action of, of, of hunting down the rhinos to, to strengthen up your wallet is going to be because you don't know that they can just, like, span in, spawn in as mobs that can be honed into with, with equipment and stuff. Uh, the illusion is still there, and that makes, that makes a powerful first impression hit doubly, if not more so, harder for me. A game uh, with a good yeah. ending would have to be Legend of Korra by Platinum Games. <laughs> that game <laughs> yeah, was that thing everyone else played. crap all the way through until the end. And even that was slow, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the thing is, I, games, I don't want something hiding. All right, I, I want to know what this game is about from the beginning and move on with my life. It's either I play it or I don't. But I definitely wouldn't like to let it fall. How would you, know, you consider like Final Fantasy fifteen, Matt? Where, where does it fall? Oh, that that's, uh, that's more of a good beginning. <laughs> or kind of like a, a, a mellow beginning to <laughs> a hard fall. The, the well, actually, no, no, no. There was an ending gone. scene that I quite liked. There was an ending scene that has nothing to do with the story. Uh, I'm talking about after the credits. That scene was good for me. Uh, because that was, for me, the only thing I took from the game was the brothers. But, like, the story? <laughs> oh. It was <laughs> gross. When the night <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. How do we feel about Indigo Prophecy? I, or, or Fahrenheit, I, known in other markets. I enjoyed that when I was young, but maybe I didn't know what I was playing. How do we care about every David Cage mention on this show? Well, well, that's that's a game that has like a great first 30 minutes, and then an okay next hour, and then all of a sudden, like at the three-hour mark, the game just like wants to go home it's too embarrassed would we, to keep going would we consider the the jason opening of heavy rain to be like a strong opening oh i could say that i would not have finished indigo prophecy if it weren't for the good first 30 minutes hmm. but the end is when everything <laughs> kind of goes nuts you kind of want to get there uh, yeah, yeah, it's like the it end of a Tomb Raider game, you know. Everything goes nuts at the end, and you're like, "Yeah, this is why. This is why I played for. This is why I came for, man." With Resident Evil, it's like a <laughs> a crapshoot because the endings of Resident Evil games are always like super rushed, like hyper macho garbage compared to like the small, the the slow, delicate, like like Hitchcockian. Um, um, exposition play of the first half of Resident Evil, and then in the second half, you just like 
get thrown into a tunnel with usually five of the strongest bad guys, a new ridiculous weapon that you just kind of press buttons to complete the combat with at that point without any of the tension. And it's like, it's a crapshoot if it's going to feel bad or good, depending on how much tension and steam you're blowing off from the rest of the whole game. Like the ending to RE1, I think is great. The ending to RE4, I think is like funny, but a little frustrating to play. The ending of RE5 is is like a hip-smackingly hilarious good time. Well, you know, when you start Resident Evil, you get all the great lines. So, strong openings. I'm going to go with strong openings. Uh, let's move on to Brayden. Brayden asks... If you're looking for an anime that subverts the common tropes, please check out Evangelion and Mahushujo Madoka Magica. Both are very experimental and very unconventional looks at the genres they belong to. If you want to watch something that feels fresh, that doesn't go down the same repetitive tropes, and you want to watch weird psychological mecha anime and a very weird magical girl anime, please check them out. If anyone out of the Dad and Sons podcast has seen either, I'd love to hear their thoughts. Man, it's I've been watched... years since I watched Evangelion. Like, yeah, I'd be surprised if we haven't seen Evangelion. Evangelion is like the anime, the anime. Yeah. I've watched it's it's, it's the Dark Souls of anime. <laughs> Supposedly there's like 20 different versions that I missed and I was just like, ah, I d like I just remember I, the slowness every of that. So. Single one of them Shinji is a bitch. Yeah, I remember it being really slow. I remember Shinji being really whiny. I remember the, like, science fiction of it being really cool and fascinating. Yeah. I don't know if I was old enough to pick up on the, like, experimental right. genre conversion stuff. Because at the time, I had only seen, like, Gundam and Dragon Ball exactly. and Tenchi yeah. and Sailor Moon. Visually. Like, I had seen more of the back material for Magical Madoka than I had for what Evangelion was supposed to be making fun of. But I think the thing is also that Evangelion is so old, and by being, um, diver eh, not diversive, but uh, subversive, that it kind of gets grandfathered into the tropes it's supposed to be uh, criticizing, you know? It's weird, because I like don't how, know like how if there's been like a resurgence of popularity about Evangelion in previous years, because no one was really talking about it. A couple of years back i think maybe after its initial sort of release in the 90s but here in japan it's like a fucking cultural marvel oh there's trains that play that, the theme that train the the eva train the eva shinkansen train goes past my house once a week <laughs> it's it's a it's a it's a beautiful machine and it looks pretty damn superb but the fact that if you go to karaoke with a Japanese person in this country, you are almost guaranteed to sing the opening to this song. Like, at times, I don't know what's bigger. Is it Dragon Ball or Evangelion? I don't know. I also worry that as time goes on, Evangelion is just going to appear more like normal robot anime. Rather than being a uh, confrontation or, or, or criticism or subversion of uh, getting weird about that. Because a lot of the characters that it invented as foils to the archetypes, like a whiny young hero, have ended up becoming the archetypes. Mm. Well, it influenced a lot. And, of and how, like, 
the the love interest designs were supposed to be super weird and fucked up. Whoops. <laughs> All anime's love interest stories are super weird and fucked up now, I guess. <laughs> I, I I have a question for you, George. Um, oh, that's that's should, should I? nothing I've ever had to confront before. <laughs> should I finish Pillars of Eternity before I play part two? Because I just really can't get into the combat. I don't know because I loved that game and I had no problem finishing it. Where the oh, hell did that question come from? I hate pausing. I hate pausing. Tell me how to play. Tell me how to play, weed man. You you make a plan when you pause, and then you unpause for a bit to see it play out. And if stuff goes wrong, you pause and readjust. Uh, it's like uh, did Matt like send like like making a, a email. Yes, <laughs> I did. You, you didn't read it, Liam. It was there. I'm not allowed to read those emails. <laughs> but yeah, no, no. I just want to know because it's, it's coming out today. I mean, it's coming out soon. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> you don't know when we record this podcast. Um, and uh, I want, want something tasty to play. Right. Wait, Pillars so, of Eternity uh, 2's out today. Wait, what? <laughs> I don't know how we did get to that topic. I guess because it is release day. It is release is it day. really out but, today? Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess. It got I delayed. guess if you want your Pillars of Eternity update. Oh, it got delayed today? No, no, no. no. I think it was delayed. It was supposed to come out sooner and then yeah, it, was it comes out today. But it's coming out today, yeah. but I've heard like nothing. Today is the release yeah. day. Like the oh, reviews? I saw some interviews. Yeah, it's, it's coming out, man. Is it? You, you they, played it too, Because if they delay it today, that's not a good sign. When Say again? When Obsidian's interviews were talking about how much easier this one was to make. Liam, did what you What did play? you say, man? I played the first one, yeah. <laughs> I didn't I didn't finish it, but I... I ha, funnily enough, now I think about it, the person who convinced me to buy it was George's bloody review of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of my most popular videos for some yeah. reason. Well, did you? Why didn't you finish it, Liam? What What was the cause of that? That, like all good openings, I had no time. <laughs> oh. It wasn't because I don't know. Back, full I, I have I I have come to realize I am both miserable at finishing games, and it's something I'm actually okay with. Interestingly enough, I am okay with playing half of a game. A lot of the time, it's I don't feel I guilty. Okay I don't feel guilty for leaving a game unfinished. I like trying all kinds of games. I'm horrible at that kind of guilt. I feel guilty. Like I'm, I'm trying to finish God of War because I know if I don't keep pushing myself to finish it, a game I really do want to finish, I will move on. So, I'm trying. I'm, try I'm trying. Like, but I, I, my brain almost wants to start thinking that there's something wrong with the game if I can't finish it, and I know that's not true. No, that's just what my I, brain is trying to do. That's what I used to think, but now I know it's definitely just me. It's it's just something with me. Like the last I gotta game achieve I really your level myself, of enlightenment. The, ga the last game I pushed myself to finish was to to win at Into the Breach, and that took like a good twenty plus hours. But since then, uh, I've played like quite a numerous amount of games, but I've not finished it. Like, you know, going back to Xenoblade Chronicles 2, when we started the show, like, I got like 12 hours into that game. I'm never going to finish it. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. And I love RPGs, but 
I find it so difficult. But if difficult. you, on the other hand, our humble listener, have made it all the way to the end of this podcast, that uh, <laughs> makes me want to know if, uh, if we're sounding off on the right note or not. Send us your feedback. We need feedback. We've gotten a lot more negative feedback since last week. That was new. <laughs> but but I feel like we're going to use it to be well, better. Just, we can we can make do with this. Just throw it out there. S send it to Comcast. Well, I'm... Uh, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. I really got to go to the bathroom for drinking all this coffee to get ready. So... Uh, let's before, say before, our piece. before we go, before we go, George, you can go. But... If you okay. are going to be a bit summit, if anyone is listening to this, and although it comes out on the time bit summit is, but if you're a bit summit, let me know. Let's let's hang out at bit summit. Also, if you're interested in small games inspired by Japan, at some point this week, I'm releasing like a demo with. It says demo, but it has a question mark because I don't know if it's ever going to be a finished game or that will just the, be it. The music is playing you out, Liam. The music is playing. Oh no. You out. No, don't, no, I'm fading away like Thanos killed me. No, play my game.